Lord, we just ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you today. That the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. That we would know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power available towards those who believe. We believe for revelation this morning from your word. Because revelation brings impartation and transformation. And that's what we desire in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm excited to share this word this morning. Um, It wasn't just that I thought, oh, it'd be great to teach on worship. The Holy Spirit really had been speaking to me in the last little while about worship. And I read the this book, which many of you may have heard of, Jeremy Riddle, The Reset. And as I was reading it, it was really just going off in me so many different things that uh, the Lord had been speaking to me. It was, it was, it was just such a timely book. And I, I really felt important, it important that I just share some things from it. I, I'm not in the worship team, uh, but you know, I'm a worshiper. You don't have to be in the worship team to be a worshiper. We're all worshipers of God. Um, you know, and worship isn't confined to Sunday morning. If it's just confined to Sunday morning, well, then you're not a true worshiper because worship is a lifestyle. It's, it's being conscious of God's presence all the time in your life, just quietly acknowledging him, you know, going before him, whether it's praying or singing. You know, worship is the highest form of, of prayer because when we pray, you know, we're, you know, it's wonderful. We're, we're coming to God with our needs and we're, you know, we have our, our requests. But when we worship God, it's just acknowledging that he is Lord, that you don't necessarily need him to do anything for you. You're just worshiping him truly for who he is and, and nothing more. And, and you know, I, I think it's beautiful because worship and thanksgiving are just so powerful because they show that you have faith in God. Because it's, it's easy for anyone to come along with their little list and rattle it out before God. But it's not easy to lift your hands and surrender and worship God when you're going through the fire. You know, when you're going through the fire, sometimes the last thing you want to do is maybe put on some worship and start, you know, lifting your hands to God. It's, I mean, last night, for example, Pastor John and myself, we were just very tired and felt, we both felt a little bit kind of, you know how sometimes you just feel a bit tired and weary and, you know, there's just, there's a little heaviness in the room. And I said, you know, well, we just put on some worship and within about five minutes, the atmosphere completely changed. You see, we're waiting for God to change our atmosphere when we're not willing to give him the atmosphere for him to move in. That atmosphere is an atmosphere of praise and worship and acknowledging him. Acknowledging him when you're struggling. Don't be frightened. Don't be, uh, feel it's a weak thing to, to acknowledge your vulnerabilities before God. I mean, he created you. He knows every thought. He knows you know, every motive. He knows everything. He, you know, it says that God doesn't look at the outside, the outward appearance, but he looks at your heart. So he knows your heart. He knows, he knows the very intimate things that are going on in your life. And so don't pretend and put a facade up and think he doesn't. He does. But there's just something beautiful when you come into his presence in worship and just acknowledge your vulnerabilities and just, you know, surrender to him. He can do a beautiful work in your heart. And so I believe that God wants to take us on a journey, not just here today on what I'm sharing, but a journey as a church, as a body, individually and corporately, where he wants us to, where he wants us to go and worship. Worship is, is, is a... It's a big word, but sometimes we don't really know what exactly it means. And so we have to get rid of the misconceptions of what worship is. And so we're going to go through a few of those today and what it really is. And I believe it's going to just do something in your heart. So I just pray this morning against any distractions, even in this room. 
I pray against distractions. I pray against distractions at home. We just thank you that the people of God are going to receive this timely word because I believe it's a word for the church right now. We've, we've heard all about, you know, worship is essential and, and you know, we, we term it, uh, you know, as, as, as the church is in this nation, we need to get back to worship. But what exactly is worship? So it's not confined to here. It's not confined to a particular place. Because this is the interesting thing. Let's turn to John 4, verse 23. This is the story of when, um, you know, Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman. Actually, if you turn to verse, if you turn to John 4, 22, just a little bit before that. And this is what, there was a tradition that was going on that you worship God in the mountain. Verse 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem, this is where one ought to worship. So it was like, you worship on the mountain, or you worship in Jerusalem, you worship in the holy city. But listen, that's where Jesus was setting this lady straight about worship. He said, the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he was saying, it's not a place. It's not confined to a specific place. It's wherever you are. It's wherever the spirit of God takes you. So if the father is seeking a specific kind of worshiper, then everything we do as worshipers, both corporately and individually, must align with this, with what he is seeking. If God is seeking something, and that's what he's saying in this scripture, he is seeking it. If he is seeking it, well, we must seek it too. That's his heart for us. Revelation 7, verse 11 to 12 just setting the scene about where we're going to spend eternity in heaven. The atmosphere is just worship. That's what it is. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their face before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Some of us are going to get a shock when we get to heaven because we're not used to worshiping him. We come in late. We come in late into our services. We come in just before the last song and we think, you know, this is, you know, it's just, you know, let's just get the word. Well, I'm telling you, the worship prepares your heart for the word. I would love to just shut those doors at 11 o'clock and not let anybody else come in because you're missing it. You're missing the heart of what God wants to do in your life. He is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Coming in late through the door, you're not a worshiper that's worshiping in the spirit and the truth. You're a worshiper who's in the flesh. Let's be real this morning. We're in the flesh. Because I am more important than God. That's what you're saying. My time Okay, I need to do a few things before I get to church. I need to get my hair done. I need to look right. Listen, just go as you are. Go as you are to the house of God. Be on time. Be on time. So, as I said, there's, you know, worshiping in the spirit. Well, worshiping in the flesh is an option. If you can worship in the spirit, you can worship in the flesh. You can worship in that soulish area. But worship is far purer than any of that. It's not meant to be an emotional experience. Sometimes we get caught up in the emotion. We're in church and we're all gathered together corporately and it feels so good and the music is so amazing and the singing and everything. But listen, it's not meant to be like that. It's not meant to be a feel-good experience. It's meant to be an encounter with the creator of heaven and earth, you and him. That's what it's meant to be about. So we need to get our eyes off man and off the people around us and not be distracted. The enemy works at distracting God's children because he knows there's great power when you come into the very presence of the living God. So don't make the mistake of seeking the feel good. 
Make sure you seek his face. We worship him because he is good, because he is faithful. And you know what? If you're not feeling in that place where you can just worship him, you may feel down in your, in your, in yourself. But I tell you, every time without fail, if I come into his presence and just start worshiping, worshiping him, that, that, those feelings leave. Because the Bible says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You cannot come into his presence and feel depressed. You can't. It's impossible. Because he is a God of joy. He's a God of peace. He's a God of love. And when you're around the atmosphere of somebody, if good or bad, that will come in and it will affect you. So when you're in the presence of God, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful exchange. You're going to exchange your pitifulness and your depression, and you're going to pick up his joy and his peace, which are supernatural. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of, of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Worship is a sacrifice, as I've said. We don't always feel like it. But we have to push beyond our feelings and our soulish area, our mind, our will, our emotions. And we need to push in and realize that when we get into that place, things are going to change. Breakthroughs are going to come. Chains are going to fall off in the presence of God. The anointing, it says, destroys the yoke. The anointing is in the presence of God. So a large part of our worship is thanking God, being thankful to him, giving thanks to his name, thanking him that he's bringing you through the situation, not that he's given you that difficult situation, he's bringing you through. I love the example. Let's turn to uh, Paul and Silas in jail. Acts 16, 23 to 25. And I just so love this scripture. You know, I, love, I know in, in Sunday school, it's one of the kids, the kids love it because it's exciting. You know, they're in jail and there's a bit of excitement. There's an earthquake and they're, you know, they have their, their, their feet are chained in stocks. But this is what happens when you worship. There's a spiritual principle in this scripture that will show you the power that is in worship. So it says in verse 23, when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately... All the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. In that moment, those people had a choice. They had a choice. They would just go to sleep and just say, why bother? I'm stuck in here. It's smelly. It's dirty. God, I've, 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 I, was, I was doing it for you. I was serving you and look what happened to me now. No, they didn't have that mentality. They didn't throw a pity party. They made a choice, and worship is a choice to respond to the Spirit of God rather than your natural circumstances. And we need to pass that test because, you know, some of us, we're still, we're still there. We're still not getting it. We're getting the big F, the fail. God wants us to pass the test. He wants us to come through the test. And so we will have more victory. And we'll bring us higher and higher and higher in Him. Oops. So there's something supernatural do I need a new mic? I'm okay. There's something supernatural about worshiping God in the power of the Spirit. It destroys demonic strongholds. They, they shatter. Think about it. The, their, their feet were in stocks, which would have been, you know, really thick kind of metal chains or wooden, whatever it was they were made of back then, probably metal. And they shattered. They broke off. That's what worship does to you. If you're just struggling with depression, if you're struggling with pornography and addictions to alcohol and drugs, listen, get into the presence of God. You know, you will need a bit of deliverance as well. You will need ministry. But what better way than to start by just getting into the presence of God and surrendering to him and asking him to break those chains? 
So when we worship God, we take our eyes off our circumstances, which are temporary, which are subject to change. Listen, this time next year, we're not going to be in this pandemic. Some of you might think, okay, we are. Well, we are. Looks like we are. We're not. Our circumstances are subject to change. So we need to get our eyes off those things and get our eyes onto God and ask him to release those burdens, those worries, those fears. So worshiping him in spirit, that's what he wants us to do first. Spirit to spirit. His spirit, your spirit to his spirit. You know, it says in the Bible that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water when you pray in the spirit. So it's a spiritual communion that you have between you and your heavenly father. It's not mental. It's not up here in your mind. You cannot worship God in your mind with your natural thoughts or your feelings. You know, get rid of that thought that worship is a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. You worship him from your spirit. It's not a feeling. And so what did Jesus mean exactly about worshiping him in the spirit and in truth? Well, spirit, we just dealt with that. But in truth, we need to have a truth, the truth of what worship truly means. We need to have an understanding of who the Father is, who the Son is, who the Holy Spirit is. You cannot worship somebody you do not know. And that's the problem. We don't spend time in his word we don't spend time reading the Gospels to see who Jesus is. So when we worship him, it's like he's this sort of distant stranger. But God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to know him, to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we must deepen in our relationship with him so that we will understand what he desires for us, who he is. And so the more you do that, the closer you'll come to him into his presence. Uh, Jeremy Riddle wrote this in his book. If our worship lacks truth, it fails to honor the one we're worshiping. If our worship lacks truth, it fails to honor the one that we are worshiping him. What does that mean? It means that the enemy sometimes comes in with lies about who God is. He wants to lie. He's the father of lies. He wants to pervert everything. He wants to pervert your perception of God. He wants to pervert uh, to, to the sense that God doesn't want you to be blessed. God doesn't want you to be healed and whole. He's constantly lying in your, in your ears. But we need to know that our, our, we mustn't have a tainted version, a tainted version of who God is. We mustn't have that. We must get rid of it. We must get rid of our human reasoning and our logic. We're so sense-based in the world that we live in that everything has to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense when it comes to God. But also another thing about worshiping in truth means if it doesn't please God, it's not worship. I believe there's a lot of worship out there that doesn't please God. I can tell you, when I put on worship on the TV, I can tell you when somebody's performing, and I can tell you when somebody's been in the, they've been in the throne room, when they've been at home. There's just something in their voice. It just carries. And if we can recognize it, well, how much more can God recognize a true worshiper? It's very sobering. But nobody up here should be here unless they're worshiping God at home. That's the reality. Pastor John should not be up here preaching if he's not studying the word of God at home. It's the truth. Who you are at home, what you do at home, should come out when you're here up on the, on the public stage. And that's the problem. There's a lot of corruption in the body of Christ. Things are being exposed. And God is exposing it for a reason. He's, trying, he's showing, he's saying, people, wake up. I can see, I can see your, your um, compromise. I can see your fleshiness. And I don't want it anymore. It doesn't please me. And if it doesn't please me, I'm going to, I'm going to expose it. I'm going to remove it. So it's very sobering. Very sobering. Worship is not about having a really cool song. A song that's edgy and you love it. It's got a great beat. It's nothing to do with personal taste. In fact, I'm coming to realize more and more 
that the simpler the song is, the less you have to work to get into the presence of God because you're not focused on all the lyrics and the verses. You know, we need to, we need to restore, the purity needs to be restored to worship. And the intimacy. That's why it's important. You know, we have all the instruments here, but we need to be sensitive. And I'm saying this to worshiping. We need to be sensitive, particularly as we come back, you know, when the people will be here worshiping with us. But we need to be sensitive to moments in the presence. Sometimes it needs to be really powerful and loud, but sometimes it needs to be really still and quiet. And we need to have that discernment to know. Because... God might want to be just doing something really pure and intimate in somebody's life, but if the music is crescendoing all the time, there's no quiet, then it's hard to receive in that moment. We want to eliminate every distraction. And I'm not saying anything, and we have beautiful worship here, but I'm just saying that God wants to bring us to a different place, I believe. I do believe that. Another thing, worshiping in the Spirit and worshiping in truth. He, he's looking at our motives. Why do we worship? Why am I up here even? Am I here just so people can see me? Or am I here because I want to bring people into the presence of God with me? I believe every one of the people we have here are worshipers. We wouldn't have them up here if they weren't. That's why it's so hard to get into the worship team. <laughs> because we want to have the right people. The people that really are truly worshipers. Amen. And another thing, we need to take our pattern from worship, from the word, not from the world. Because there's a lot of current trends right now. And, you know, there's a lot of copying. And we've all, we've all kind of fallen prey to that at, at times, where we're copying. We're looking at other big churches and the way they do things and the way they do their worship. But what does God have for us uniquely as the body here? Let's, let's seek his face and, and, and ask him what, let's bring him into the equation and say, well, God, what do you want for all nations? What do you want for our church? Because the world and its system is, system is full of shortcomings and weaknesses. And the fruit of it, the end of all these things is just, it's just flesh and deadness. And we want the purity of the spirit. We want, to, we want the, the impure to be removed. We want to rid ourselves of the tainted. Matthew 5 verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There is something about purity. None of us right here would, would dare drink a glass of impure, dirty water that's got stuff floating around in it. But we settle for that sometimes in our relationship with God. We settle to have those little impurities in our lives. But we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to be that water filter to just remove all the toxins and all the impurities. And, and when we do that, I believe our channel between us and the Lord is, is just, it's pure, it's clear. Our channel, you know, sometimes there's blockages in those pipes. And that's what happens when the water system in your house starts, it starts leaking and oozing rubbish and junk. It's because your, your, your pipe system, there's a blockage somewhere. There's something wrong. And so we need to go and say, God, what is wrong? Where, where, where is that blockage? What's, what's, what's affecting my walk with you? What's affecting my ability to worship you in spirit and worship you in truth? Let's ask these difficult questions, but much needed questions. Let's not coast along and be the same person today in a year's time. A big thing that can block our pipes is bitterness and unforgiveness. Mark 11, verse 25. You know, it said, if you come to the Father in prayer, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. When we allow unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart towards other people, we are actually secretly, quietly, slowly, poisoning ourselves on the inside and we think because the other person did the bad thing that uh there's no accountability for us we just you know 
deal with them, Lord. No, deal with me, Lord. I don't want any of the, of the, the poison in my own life. I had to deal with that in my, my walk with my dad, you know. For, for, for a long time, I was very bitter towards him. And he wasn't a Christian, and he didn't know any better. And I, as a Christian, should have known better. But as soon as I dealt with that, that bitterness and forgiveness, my relationship with my dad was, like, transformed. It was not the same relationship. Even though he was not a Christian, it was transformed, and he knew it. Maybe he, didn't know, he obviously didn't know why, but I know why. Because God was able to work, because I was, I was being obedient to what the Scripture says. I was forgiving somebody. And when I forgive them, I also forgave myself. And I brought healing to myself. God brought healing to my heart and removed those, those blockages. So, so get rid of all those blockages. How do you get rid of them? You go into the presence of God. You go into the throne room. Many times when I'm worshiping God, and I'm not saying I'm a qualified necessarily, even, even speaking on this topic, the devil was going, oh, well, you're, qual- you're really qualified, aren't you? But I am qualified and you're qualified. Because we are children of God. But sometimes when I go into the presence of God, what I do is I just put on worship on the TV. Just put on something just in the presence of God. Get into his presence. And a lot of times I can't even get the words out. That's the truth. I can't even get the words out because it's like the presence of God is there. And there's just, you just know there's a holy presence and what, what, what could I say that would add to anything that's going on in the room? You know, a lot of my time, it's just weeping before the, God, before the Lord in worship. That's just the way it has been for a while. And I'm not saying, you know, that to make... I'm just saying that's, that's just me and God. But God wants to do a deeper work in each and every one of us. Don't settle yourself and just say, this is, this is the way I do it. This, I have my routine. I have my devotional time. Don't compartmentalize God. Don't put him in a box. He wants to do far more than you even ask or think or can imagine. He wants so much more for us. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Because I remember I had one of my kids saying you know, to me, but, but I don't really, sometimes I feel very far from God. I, I, I don't feel his presence. I, I don't know if he's real. I, I, I feel like he's so far away. And I remember saying that scripture to them and, and saying, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's, 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 a, it's like you take one step and then God takes another step. You take one step, he takes another step. He is, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He needs to be invited. But when, once my child got that understanding, they started drawing near to God, and then they started feeling the presence of God, and they, they started hearing God, and they said, I can hear God talk to me now. I can hear him speak to me. But that's the way it is. He wants to speak to us as his children. What father doesn't want to speak to their kids? I just want to do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. sweating now but what father doesn't want to speak to their kids absolutely he wants to speak to you and when we talk about the blockages and the asking forgiveness that requires humility we need to be humble in his presence when we get to heaven I'd say we're going to be flat on our faces. We're, we're not going to be able, probably able to walk around because the glory of God is going to be so tangible and so strong. You know, we get, we get, um, we get picked little glimpses of it here when we have our services. Like, I mean, there's some services where it's like, you know, when, when people were here with us, even though we've had a few just, just here online where we just kept worshiping God, uh, you know. But um, I really do believe that. Humility is so key. Because, you know, the devil, Lucifer, was, was thrown out of heaven because he rebelled and he was full of pride. And that's a lesson for us. We mustn't be proud. Philippians 2, verse 3. I'd love just to turn to that quickly. Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests 
of others. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Our Jesus, our Master, our Savior, our Lord, humbled himself for us. So we must humble ourselves for him. Christians are followers of Christ. We're to follow his example. So the time that we're living in right now, I believe God wants to eliminate a lot of the noise and the distractions in our head, but also around us. And that's when it comes to his presence. You know, uh, Sam, I think it was First uh, Samuel 16, I was just thinking of this scripture on the way in, in the car. Um, it was thinking about King Saul, how he used to be tormented by his spirit. And what did he do? He called for David to come, the shepherd boy, the little, the little boy, to worship with his harp. When it, whenever, the spirit, whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, sorry, and so it was, whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Just mentioned that earlier on. Sometimes we don't need someone to lay hands on us and pray with us. We just need to get into the presence of God. We, just, you know, we don't need that quick fix. The quick fix is fine. It'll fix you quickly, but it won't last. God wants to establish a pattern in your life where you learn, how you learn to respond when there's difficult, adverse circumstances, to come into his presence, receive that refreshing, receive that charging, go back out. When they come again, go back into his presence. Not that you're going back into his, into his presence just to get, get you, know, the, you know, for the heaviness to lift. But that's a big part of it. It will lift. It's designed. The presence of God is designed to fill you with joy and peace. Psalm 16 verse 11, and I quoted this, mentioned this earlier, you will show me the path of life in your presence as fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So let's stop running to people or even to entertainment or material things to fill us and to fill that little emptiness on the inside of us. Let's start running to him. You know, the reason we're disappointed is because we're running to the wrong people. You're running, running to the wrong place for answers. There's an innate desire in every one of us created by our Father to, to worship him, have a desire to worship him. Genesis 3 verse 8, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of day. God the Father was, loved having communion and, and walking and talking to Adam and Eve in the cool of the, of the day. That was his desire. God created uh, Adam and Eve for fellowship. Not only to give dominion, he said he, was, he created them to give dominion, but he wanted to have someone to fellowship with. So it should never be at a, a, a sense of obligation, ever. That's the problem with religion and tradition. It's all about obligation. God wants to remove that out of our lives. So as a body, and as I believe we're coming back to meet together, to gather together as a body, once again, as we're designed to do, and as we are called to do, I believe we have to give up some rituals, some traditions, some imitation of other churches, other cultures, and restore purity to the pulpit, restore purity to every aspect of our lives and desire, have such a passion and a desire to know him more. To, you know, um, passion, there's something just about that word. I love it, the Passion Bible. But passion is something very tangible. It's something very powerful. If you're passionately in love with somebody, it's like all you can think about. Have you seen people when they first get married, and I know that was with myself and John, you were, you were staring in each other's eyes for hours, just without saying anything. 
And it wasn't uncomfortable. You just, you just, you just love. And not that it, it, we, we, okay, we don't maybe do that right now, do anymore. <laughs> not, not for long periods of time. But there's a passion that God puts on the hearts of people for him. And for, for your husband and for your wife. That's, that's you know, but, but God wants to restore that passion where you're just consumed with him. And you might ask yourself, well, how can I do that? I have a job. I have five kids and, you know, I'm living in the middle of a pandemic. How can I do this? Well, it's easy. All you have to do is just surrender. Surrender. I used to think I had to go somewhere quiet and it's good. Jesus did that. But sometimes there isn't any quiet in our house. When you've got kids off school for the last four months, you're like, you're trying to find a space just where you can have a little bit of quiet. But I just started, you know, doing the dishes, just, oh, worship you, Lord. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you that this is going to be a good day. Thank you that you're going to be glorified today. Thank you that you're going to do a work in my children today, that you're going to move in their lives. Thank you. Listen, that's, that's what you do. Just being conscious of him. When I go for a walk, I just, I'll oftentimes, I'll just, just be thanking him. All, just keep saying, thank you, God. You're so good. Thank you. I, you know, I don't want to go and say, oh, God, I need this. I need this. I need this. And this. he knows I need these things even before I ask. So thanking him is just far greater. It's just, it's just more beautiful. Because it, it, it's like I ha- it's, I'm not thinking about myself at all. I'm just thinking about him and his goodness. And we won't really have that full understanding of, 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 of really, really, really worshiping him until we get to heaven. But let's start getting it in action here while we can. Let's, let's have people who have no hope and are just miserable and don't know God. Let them, let them find God in this place. Let them come through these doors and just know there's just something, there's just something in this atmosphere in this place. I've never experienced anything like this before. That's what we want to see. The new wineskin, Luke 6, verse uh, 36. We want the new, this is all about the new wineskins, this hour that we're in. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new doesn't match the old. Well, that's very important. Like if you're a girl, you, if you got, you're patching up something, you want it to match. Do I get an amen, girls? You don't want it, you want it to blend in seamlessly. No one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine, and the wine is the wine of the spirit. It's not Chardonnay. It's not rosé, it's the wine of the Holy Spirit. It must be put into new wineskins, and then both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Well, I tell you, the old is not better. The new, the new is what we want. God is doing a new thing in our midst. Isaiah 43, verse 18, he says, Do not forget, do not remember, sorry, the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We're in a, it feels like we're in a desert season right now, but God is making rivers in the desert. We have seen so many answers to prayer this year. We have seen people, uh, we have seen financially this church has been blessed this year. We've seen amazing testimonies. We've seen uh, churches coming together in unity like never before. God is doing rivers. He's making rivers in the desert. Don't get so focused on the negative and all the things that are going wrong, but focus on the things that are going right and thank God for those things. Amen. He delights to do a new thing in our midst. The Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit is here on earth, is for us to ask him to help us, to be our teacher, to be our guide, to to comfort us, to strengthen us. But also I believe he plays a big part in in removing the junk and and detoxifying us from from past mistakes, past relationships, wrong motives, bad attitudes, even religiosity. He wants to just remove all that junk out of our lives. Because after all, Jesus, he says he's coming back for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle or blemish. 
That may seem impossible right now. When we look at the world, we see the blemishes, we see the wrinkles, we see far more than that. But God is, 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 is coming back for a remnant body, his bride, that will be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. We cannot do that in our own strength. We have to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. So we say, Holy Spirit, we surrender more of you and less of us in Jesus' name. He's not interested in our talents. Talents help. All these people up here are talented, and I wouldn't have them up here if they weren't talented either. We want to, to perform excellently before the Lord, and we have a spirit of excellence here. Talent is important, but remember, it does not uh, replace gifting and character. Godly gifting, the gifts and callings of God. Gifting and, and, and character. Character is so important. Psalm 51 verse 10, it says, create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. That's what pleases him. That's the passion. And in the New King James, it says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. If God was to take his presence away from us, what would we have? We'd be left with nothing. Think about Adam and Eve when they were cast out of that garden. Think of how they felt. But we have the presence of God on the inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit. So let's just continue to get into our prayer closet, Matthew 6, 6. Let's shut the door, block out the distractions, turn off the phone, and just get into the presence of God, with uh, our Creator. Worship, true worship is costly. There's a cost to true worship. There's people in this world who have been martyred, who have been killed because they have chosen to esteem him far more than the people and the things of this world and the dictates of this world. True worship is costly. It costs something. It costs you, it costs your time. But let's look at, uh, as we finish, let's look at the woman with the alabaster box. I think this is a beautiful analogy. Luke 7, verse 37. And, you know, this woman was a sinner. Many people believe it may have been uh, Mary Madeline. And I know last night we were watching, I think it was the first episode of the Chosen series. And uh, it, was, it was Mary Madeline, how she was tormented with demons and how Jesus came and, and, and just came into her life and, and transformed it. But, but this woman was a sinner. So for her to come into a room around all these men and around Jesus, it cost her her reputation. What, you know, what would people think of her? Because she was a sinner. Then secondly, she had an alabaster flask of oil, of spikenard, which was extremely costly. And then people were making comments, what does she think she's doing wasting this, this flask of precious oil? Remember, was it Judas or one of them said, this could have been used to feed the poor. But she knew exactly, she knew what she was called to do. Because this was going to be an eternal reminder of somebody who was going to anoint Jesus' feet and anoint his, his body in preparation for his burial. So what she did was very powerful. So verse 38, she stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and she wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Such a beautiful thing. She used her hair to wipe and dry his feet. And all the while, people were looking at her and judging her. It's a very raw image, but it's a very powerful image. But it also shows us what is fake and what is real. What she did was real. There was no fakeness about it. People were horrified. They were full of religion. And as I said, it cost her her self-respect, her dignity, her reputation. But she loved very much. And Jesus, was, it says, was deeply moved. It was an extravagant love that she was showing. She was demonstrating towards her Savior. 
And what Jesus said, he told her to go in peace. I do believe as she did that, as she, as she offered herself, as she sacrificed her dignity and her finance, everything, I believe that God restored her life in that moment. And he can restore your life too. Pure worship will always result in peace. It will always result in peace. It will remove turmoil and it will be replaced with the supernatural peace of God and the love of God. And so this is what we want. We want to see the love of God restored. We want to see purity of worship restored in the body universally. We want to see, we don't want to see any of the fake. We don't want to see the, the copies. We don't want to see the counterfeits because there's a lot of counterfeits out there also. We don't want any of the counterfeits. I'm telling you, if you have a real diamond and a counterfeit one, which one do you want, girls? You want the real one. You want the real diamond. And so God, he wants the real. He doesn't want the counterfeit. And so as the worship team come up this morning, I would just pray that the fire of God, the, the purity and the fire of, of, of God, the purifying fire of God would just would do something in our hearts this morning in our relationship with him, in our, in our quiet time with him, in our corporate time with him. We want to be people that are, have been in the throne room, been in his presence. Do you remember that when um, Jesus came down from the mountain and he, he'd been, he'd been, his disciples were with him and he'd been in the presence of Elijah or whoever it was, his face was shining, it was gleaming. People can know when you've been in the presence of God. We are, we are called to be lights in the darkness. Our light needs to be shining brighter than ever before. Particularly in the times that we're living in right now where things have got darker and darker. The light has to be cranked up to full brightness. But it's only through yielded vessels. People who are truly yielded towards Him. So I just pray that this morning as you're watching from your home. Holy Spirit, do a work in your people. Do a work in our hearts. Lord, I ask you to remove every impurity, every blockage, everything that would try to come and, and affect our, our relationship with you, our perception of you. We ask for a new, uh, a greater revelation, a new revelation, a fresh revelation of who you are as our heavenly father, that you would become so real to us. You would become as real as, our, as the people that we know in our lives. You would become so real and tangible. We pray that, Lord. We pray that you would restore purity to the body of Christ, to worship throughout this nation and the nations of the world. Lord, we don't want to be people of performance. We want to be people of purity and holiness, people who, who just bring people into the presence of God. Help us, help us to just surrender. Help us to give our time. Help us not to get caught up in the things of this world. Help us, help us, Holy Spirit, to put you first, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things will be added. Can I just ask you as a favor, just those of you who are at home, I would like you just to stretch your hands towards this wonderful worship team. For the last year, nearly, they have been worshiping online. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy singing to a camera, but you know, they have beautiful hearts. They are so faithful. They're one of the most faithful group of people that I know. And some of them are facing things themselves. They're going through different personal circumstances, but yet they still come here. They show up and they worship God. Can we just pray a blessing over our worship team this morning? We just pray, Father, every one of them, over the musicians, over the singers, we just want to honor them this morning. We want to thank you for their faithfulness to take up the call. And we know it is a calling. It is a calling. You've called them to worship. But Father, we want to see more. We want to see more in this group. We want to see songs come forward. We want to see the prophetic move. We want to see breakthroughs in their personal lives also, Lord. We want to see healings, restorations in their personal lives. Father, as they've sown their time, as they've sown sacrificially, even in times when they maybe couldn't even get up here to sing because they're so overcome because they're going through stuff. Lord, I just pray you would just lavishly bless them. You you would just pour out from the windows of heaven the blessings of God, the provision of God, the peace of God. Oh, we just thank you for that, Lord.
Just receive it. Just every one of you, just lift your hands and receive that this morning. Fresh and filling of His Holy Spirit. We just pray that over every one of you right now. We just thank you, Father, for encounters in your presence, Lord. That they would encounter you in the throne room, Lord, and they would never be the same because you cannot stay the same once you've been in the presence of God. I just pray that right now, Lord. Oh, just restore our first love. You wouldn't want us to be hot or cold, but you want us, Lord. You want us to be, uh, you don't want us to be lukewarm. You'd rather that we be hot or cold, but we want to be hot for you. Oh, Lord, I just pray that, Lord. As we come, I believe we're coming back to, to get to the church meeting again in person. And so, Lord, we want to be ready. We want to be ready for the souls, Lord. We want to be ready, Father, for these altars just to fill up with people hungry for your presence. But, Lord, we want to leave them there honorably and pure, with purity, Lord. We want you to remove everything of the flesh, anything that remains that does not bring you glory. Lord, just take it out of our hearts. Take it out of our hearts, Lord. We want the real. We don't want the fake. We want the real. So we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the new thing you're doing, and it's bursting forth. You're making rivers in the desert. You're making rivers in the desert. We just say thank you. We say thank you. Come on, just thank him. We just say thank you, Lord. We surrender to you. We surrender to you, because without you, we are nothing. We have nothing. We are empty without you. We just want more of you Lord we want more of you we want more of you Lord we just say it from our hearts this morning we're coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's not about us it's all about you it's all about you Jesus come on let's just sing that that song hallelujah we worship you we worship you Jesus